you are tuning in to the Milk Carton Series. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we discuss the murder of Alexis Murphy. Alexis disappeared after leaving her home in Shipman, Virginia on August 3rd of 2013. Her case would rock the news outlets all over because everyone was desperately looking for Alexis. I remember her case so vividly back in 2013 because it was really plastered all around, you know, the news outlets. And I just remember seeing this beautiful young 17-year-old who looked like she had so much life in her. And I was saddened because I was like, wow, I really hope she turns up safe. Now, on this day, it had been stated that Alexis was super happy. She was excited. Um, Her mother was pretty much on her way to work and she had given Alexis money to go and get some hair. You know how it is. You're about to take senior pictures and you're excited to look the part. You guys know how that is. (laughs) Well, if you were excited about, you know, your pictures. (laughs) Her mother recalls her being excited, happy. She was laughing. And when she walked out the house, that was the last time her mother, Laura Murphy, had ever seen Alexis. Just after 3 p.m., Alexis had posted on her Twitter account, Bergbound, she was on her way to Lynchburg, which was about a 20-minute drive from her home in Shipman, Virginia. Alexis' mother was also on her way out, and you know, she had went to work. She worked overnight shift at a, the post office, but in the wee hours of Sunday morning, Alexis' grandmother, who also lived with them, wakes to find that... Alexis didn't make it home to her midnight curfew, and this wasn't like Alexis because she was always on time for her curfew, and she knew, you know, how hard her mother worked to provide for them. So when she didn't come home, her mother began to phone Alexis' father, Troy Brown, You know, she wanted to see if maybe he had come in contact with Alexis and what needed to be done. So Alexis' father, he tells, you know, news reports that he was trying to stay calm and not panic because, you know, as a father in this situation, by not coming home at her curfew and not bringing the car home, just about anything runs through your mind. And I agree, anything can run through your mind. Now, the local sheriff's department was notified of Alexis being missing, and so were many of her friends. And social media was truly, like I say, the blueprint for Alexis when she disappeared. That's why I said I remember her case even as a 13-year-old. I remember her case because it was all over social media. And although I probably wasn't on, like, I don't even remember what was out back in that time, but... I do remember seeing her on the news. You know, me and my grandmother were sitting in the living room and it came on that Alexis was missing. So after about three days of Alexis disappearing, police make a disturbing discovery. Her father's car that she was driving was found in a movie theater in parking lot in Charlottesville. It was abandoned and nobody was in it. 
Now, at some point, someone, it was captured on a nearby mall surveillance camera. The camera is seen pulling in around 1030 at night, the day after she went missing. You couldn't really see who got out of the vehicle, though. But they really tried to enhance the video, but this footage was so grainy, black and white, surveillance video, and it was also at night. So it was kind of hard to depict who was driving this vehicle. But then the investigators get a hunch. It was more or less just kind of like a brainstorming, but... It had been stated that there was a Liberty gas station in Lovingston where local teens hang out after school on weekends. They did find a video of her coming into the gas station and purchasing gas shortly before she disappeared. It was absolutely normal. She seemed to be happy and there was nothing wrong. She didn't even seem upset, you know, or kind of like in distress. But as law enforcement are looking at this footage, they do come across when Alexis is leaving out a man holding the door for a woman to leave the store and she walks out. And now at first it doesn't appear to be very strange, but law enforcement begin to zoom in on this surveillance footage and they begin to look at, you know, this man, his tattoos, and they felt like he had a distinct vehicle. He had like a camouflage um, suburban type of car, Chevy type of car. So at the time, the FBA, um, FBA, the FBI, they zero in on Alexis' cell phone signal. And what is so strange is it begins to ping eerie close to the location of that gas station, which was about a mile north of it. And it's like, okay, we're starting to get somewhere. We're starting to really see, okay, what's going on? So law enforcement doing their job, they go to this area. And this area is said to be like kind of, um, what's the word? Like, you know how like it's summertime and you have like five feet of, five feet away from the road. So it's like kind of like off and like the weeds or the grass or whatever, it's kind of like up there a little bit. But law enforcement really went on a hunch with a lot of their investigation in this and it paid off, to be honest. I feel like these law enforcement officers really did their due diligence in this case. And they even begin to describe like to many news outlets that when they ended up seeing the same man on this property that was at the gas station in the surveillance video, they said that he was very friendly, of course, at first, but they he was the type of individual that would make your make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up because he just gave off this weird type of vibe. So the man identifies himself as Randy Taylor. And guess what, y'all? He invites detectives inside his camper. And this is when things begin to like unfold for detectives' eyes. There was a diamond stud, which would be similar to a nose peering or piercing or earring in the carpet, as well as a fingernail. And then on the pillow of his bed, there was a long black hair that was consistent with an African-American female. But they still needed more. Police leave 
Taylor's property and take the potential evidence for DNA testing. Upon further reviewing of gas station surveillance video, they concentrate on another angle focused outside of the gas station. Shortly after Alexis was seen leaving that store with him holding the door, you could see his video go by northbound, which is where his camper was. And then Alexis's father's Nissan was literally right behind it. So as law enforcement begin to send off this evidence, it does come back that it is in fact Alexis. So once that was a match, it became clear that they had a suspect, right? And once he knew that they knew, he admitted that, okay, he's seen Alexis, right? He says that as he puts it, it was a black guy with dreadlocks that came to his camper to get drugs. They drank beers and she left his camper as he puts it, but he was laughing and smiling as he was giving detectives this information, right? So then Randy gives cops a name. He says the name was Damien Bradley and Mr. Bradley, he knew of Alexis. He says they would go and talk to him because they wanted to get to the bottom of this. He flat out denies ever even meeting Mr. Taylor. He certainly wasn't the last person to be with Alexis. He didn't accompany her to Randy's camper. Now, according to detectives, Damon Bradley's alibi was very solid. He was with his father in Alabama during the weekend of Alexis' disappearance. So with potentially incriminating DNA and Randy Taylor's false statements, cops had had enough to arrest him on abduction charges. Now, when police tell Alexis' family they made an arrest, the name Randy Taylor doesn't ring a bell, but his face does. It has been stated that they thought he looked familiar. They couldn't really like put a finger on it. Um, and I don't. And, and I'm saying this. I don't know how true this is because this was in one article that Randy Taylor. Um, bought a used car or something from them. But law enforcement still didn't know who Randy Taylor was because when detectives started to ask around the small town, they would get an earful about this man. The attendants at the gas station where Alexis and Randy were seen together, they said he Randy made them feel very uncomfortable. And he would just take his Suburban back into the corner of the parking lot and just sit there for over an hour and just watch people coming in and out of the store. And cops get a call from an employee at a porn shop who claims just 45 minutes before Taylor was at the gas station, he was in his store purchasing two adult videos. He said, law enforcement said that they believe that there was sexual motivation in this case, and it was at the point that they felt we really needed to get inside that camper, and we started to develop probable cause to get a search warrant. So when they get the search warrant, law enforcement, of course, head back to this camper. They are ready, locked and loaded to get this man because they know he had something to do with the disappearance of Alexis. So when law enforcement finally get into this camper, they make a startling discovery, y'all. They were able to find a balled up shirt that had lashes and black hair extensions 
which matched very identically to Alexis, right? And law enforcement also states there was a major chain in change in the shirt. It had blood on it as well. Y'all, everything comes back to be Alexis. Inside the abandoned home on Taylor's property, investigators also find a scrapbook with porn, pornographic pictures with faces cut out and photos of females who were taped on top of those photos, according to the law enforcement officers. The female, one of the females in this book is a daughter of one of his co-workers, y'all. Like, how sick can you freaking be? So then, Alexa's cell phone is still missing. You know, her friends and family, you know, went on social media to keep, you know, going back and back and back. So the Department of Corrections in Virginia had canines that were specifically trained to detect cell phones, right? So the canines are unleashed on his property and they find Alexis shattered iPhone about 15 feet from Taylor's camper. Y'all, can you believe this? Like, oh my sweet baby Jesus, like, oh my goodness. With the evidence just amounting on this man, he was basically sitting, still sitting in jail for the abduction charges. At the same time, there were numerous police reports of other girls who had gone missing in the same area of Charlottesville. Like, I don't know if you guys heard about Morgan Harrington. She was 20. She was a Virginia Tech student who went missing and it was basically like the same town where Alexis' car was discovered. But sadly, Morgan's body was found three months later in a field south of the town. Then you have 19-year-old Samantha Clark, who went missing in the town of Orange, Virginia, just a few minutes from Charlottesville. Her body was never found. And then you have Hannah Graham, 18, who disappeared after a night out with friends in Charlottesville. Five weeks later, her remains were found in a nearby abandoned property. And you're probably wondering why I brought up those three girls. Well, in crazy events, it had turned out a suspected serial killer makes the headlines, Jesse Matthew. He was a person of interest that came about in the Morgan Harrington case. And then he came up um, for Hannah Graham. So... I'm just like baffled that this even went on because both of those girls went missing out of Charlottesville and it was the same area where Alexis was discovered. So at first law enforcement were like, okay, we probably have the wrong man sitting in prison, but it just didn't turn out that way because there was so much evidence mounting against Randy Taylor and none of the DNA matched anything from Matthews. Like, he was excluded. Everything matched Taylor's, you know, camper or whatever. And so as DNA begins to build, Randy Taylor decides he wants to change his story. He makes an 11-hour confession and wants to cut a new deal, right? He suddenly, at sentencing, wants to give up law enforcement the location because law enforcement didn't find Alexis' body for a long time, y'all. A very long time. 
And so law enforcement felt they did not want to cut a deal with a man just to get Alexis' remains. And I know that sounds harsh, but it was like they did not want to reward this man for, you know, hiding Alexis so good, if that makes sense. And the family actually agreed they deserved that. They wanted to know where she was, but they did not want to cut a deal because he deserved everything coming to him. And so, you know, years would go on, years would go on. And it had been stated that the one girl, Samantha Clark, that went missing, the 19-year-old, was kind of, he was kind of a person of interest in her case as well. That's why those three girls were brought up. Um, but nonetheless, it lets you know that the people out here are freaking sick and it, do, it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Well, Randy was able to get two life sentences and, <laughs> oh man, and it is just baffling that he did this to that girl. And, you know, and I just wonder how... You know, like they like how they intertwine with one another, like them leaving out the gas station. It makes you wonder, like, what was the conversation? You know, I always try to think about those things. And it's just like, oh, it sucks so bad. Well, the thing about Alexis is her body was not recovered until December of 2020. And it wasn't identified until February of this year. 2021 y'all this happened back in 2013 oh my goodness like can you just imagine so her remains were located on a private property near stage red road along route 29 in lovingston virginia oh my goodness it was so sad just like when i read all of that information alexis had so much life she was so excited to be entering senior year. She was going to take her senior portraits and she was ready to conquer the world. But sad, but sadly, Randy Taylor would take her life. And it's truly a shame that we live in a world where we have people who feel the need to do these things. And when I first came across Alexis case, because I covered this on my YouTube channel. I'll link the video down below so you guys can check it out. I was really baffled, but I was also so proud of law enforcement for doing the diligent work and never giving up to getting Alexis back to her family. And it goes to show you that with hard work and dedication to these cases, we can continue to bring these young people or people, no matter the age, back home to their family, whether they're missing, you know, or murdered. And it sucks, but there's nothing like being able to bury your loved one and having a final resting place. So guys, until the next missing person case or crime story, I'll see you. Bye guys. Stay safe.